0: What up? What's up, my dude? How's it going? It's going good, man. I'm just glad to see you. My uh, my illustrious <laughs> co-host over here has been battling some, some, some illnesses.
1: Yeah, I've been uh pretty sick. It's probably my first time out of my room, and uh, I'm COVID negative, but uh, I definitely have been uh, had quite a bad bug uh, since Saturday. It's what's kept us from doing this episode. So we are publishing this episode literally the day before the next episode, which is good news for all of our, our homies who are going to watch this and be like, "Man, yeah, this was fun. I need more Alexandria. T minus twenty four hours. You got it."
0: That's right. You know, it honestly works out. I kind of like it because it's it's priming me up, and then I don't even have to wait very long. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe we should do this more often. Who knows? Yeah. Actually, well, I guess we already know we're we're. Well, I won't <laughs> digress too far, but we have to film. Tomorrow's episode almost immediately. So maybe right. the finale. We'll see.
1: Because you're doing a little vacay, right?
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. Going uh to the Pacific Northwest.
1: Wow. Yeah. What's the occasion?
0: We're all go- well the uh <laughs> the excuse for the trip is a wedding. Um yeah, okay. so we're we're going out there for that and then we were like, well let's just turn this into like a a full vacay. So
1: I know. For some reason, when I asked that question, I envisioned you being like none of your business and getting like really serious. <laughs> like, hey, man, not uh, so... All the viewers are like, I thought they were friends.
0: <laughs> Don't ask me personal questions on the podcast.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I'm glad to be back and still feeling pretty tired, pretty worn out, but uh, excited to talk uh, one of my favorite weekly hobbies, which is Exandria Unlimited.
0: That's right, baby. EXU episode six. Um. Oh, gosh. I don't know the title of the episode. Do you?
1: I got you, baby. It's called... So funny you asked that. <laughs> it amp, was amp. definitely called Episode 6
0: of Alexandria Unlimited.
1: <laughs> Should have gone to the YouTube.
0: The newest campaign from the people over at Critical Role
1: the gift among the green
0: the gift among the green episode six yes and we're
1: obviously the right people to talk about critical role when we we don't even know the episode title
0: (laughs) that's right so yeah that's what we're here to talk about the gift among the green i believe and um i think i didn't say this yet so we're the pixelists that's blake i'm will we talk about stuff we enjoy and um i guess let's just jump right into it we've uh dilly-dallied enough so yes exu episode six and um i mean i guess first things first initial thoughts what did you think about did you like it did you not like it is it going up is it going down for you man here's
1: the deal Like, i just i, I hate to be the guy i feel like i feel like you're the guy who's like you're the upper on critical Role. you're just like yeah and i'm like more of like the downer Okay. and you, you gotta have the yin and the yang a little bit okay. you know um i let me say first of all i'm a huge exu fan i really liked exu i've liked watching it this was probably my least favorite episode i thought this was the weakest one um only because i don't think it was a bad episode i think all and we'll get more into it when we talk about the episode itself all of my criticism i think of this episode it all fits into how this was marketed which was an eight episode series. So my negativity around the episode is really grounded in that, in it being, okay, we have two episodes left. Like, yeah. and really feeling like I wanted, I wanted it to go farther and see more happen, I think. That's fair. Um, but that, that, that is my biggest complaint about it in terms of like the acting, in terms of the DMing, in terms of like the interactions. I thought all of that was great. D and D like we actually get on a weekly basis um it's more of like the meta grander um i don't know i don't know how to say it how it was how it was framed from the Mm get-go and i just keep and I, i mentioned this i think around episode two or three i just keep feeling that rub and i really felt it after episode six
0: yeah that's all that's all fair i get where you're coming from and uh I guess I guess we can dive further into that when we when we really dive into the nuts <laughs> and bolts but that's that's a totally fair criticism and uh I will I'll agree with a lot of that. This uh this wasn't my favorite episode, but I still enjoyed it. Like I've enjoyed all of them and I know you have too. Uh, right. But, um sorry, it's what I'm trying to think of what episode 5 what, oh yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I'm remembering now with the the test and the runestone. I think that I don't want to say they've been going downhill, but, like, they've taken a little step down, I think, ever since Episode 4, because that was a highlight.
1: Episode 4 was so good yeah. that it... Yeah, yeah. And I think Episode 5 still had some highlights to it of the... The, calm, the dreams were really intense, yes. and the party tension was really intense. True. So, like, for that tension to go down i think we've been going down on that tension each episode like you mentioned Mm -hmm. and it's a bit um unsettling isn't quite the right word but it's it's kind of hard to i guess groove in with um (laughs) i don't know if this is making sense but (laughs) no i get what you're saying and uh still great DD though i'm loving the show
0: but exactly the show we we both love the show we goos about it all the time so this is just you know our critiques even though we still love it but yeah We'll jump into this. I'm about to go way too off off the rails here. <laughs> so we both liked it, but you know we were not necessarily our favorite. I guess. That's right, the right. Best way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we dive into everything, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and do our episode recap. Which uh, each week we like to give a recap since this content is so very long. You know, keep everybody caught up. There's a lot of information. So, um, and we actually take the recap from this discussion that you're currently witnessing, and we upload that separately just to help out the peeps at home who need a little bit of a refresher. So, um, if you happen to be one of those people watching the recap, hi, I'm Will, that's Blake, we're the Pixelists. If you are interested in learning and hearing more about EXU, jump on over to our full discussion video, and we'll link that down in the comments, down in the description, whatever YouTube people do. And a little final note there is we do have timestamps. So if you came from the recap, you just watched that whole thing. Um, It will also be in our discussion video, but check those timestamps. You can just skip to exactly the place you want to be. But yeah, I guess without any further ado, let's just jump right into this.
1: Yeah, let's do it, man. So this was episode six, The Gift Among the Green. And uh, this was a almost five-hour episode, so um, here's our best chance at recapping it. But basically, the episode opens up, it's been a few days after the uh, the crocodile wrangling at the runestone, Stone, uh, where Opal flipped the croc, um, and the parties continue to make its way through the jungle. Uh, they eventually come across this lazy river, and they're amazed as they follow this river down, They're they're... they're Uh, following their eyesight down the river and they see these hundred foot walls of this gray green concrete ancient city and Fira rai is smiling she's proud and she's saying this is Nirdalpak, and it's the last city of the canira civilization Uh, and she actually tells them this is where i've been leading you uh, through the jungle and it's actually been hidden all these years and only those who are able to pass the wild mother's test are allowed to actually find it She also explains that she's been here before. It's where she went when her sister died. And this is the place that bestowed onto her her gift that we've seen her use time and time again. Uh, The party is, I think, a bit relieved and like, oh, finally, we've made it somewhere. And they decide to go skinny dipping. They jump into the river. They're laughing. They're having a great time. And they basically slowly wade down towards the city walls. Uh, Once they're there, Rai announces herself and they're allowed in to be brought before the Tetrarchs. Who are known as the rulers of the city. Uh, once they get into the city, they realize it's this massively amazing city. It's got at least fifteen thousand people. Uh, there's all sorts of races. It's really just a smorgasbord of um, even like I think was it was it goblins? Was it hobgoblins that they see walking around? Yeah, like I as saw, citizens.
0: I saw lots of stuff, and like as we'll find out later, like elephant people and cat people. Like it was a melting pot seemingly. It,
1: it's pretty cool. In fact, why don't you just take it over from there?
0: Okay, yeah. So they walk into the city, you know, kind of taken aback by all of it. But, um, Fiora Rai's like, hey, we got to make a stop at an old friend's house. And we learned that this is, uh, Gennar, I think is how you pronounce it, house, an old friend of Fiora Rai's. And, uh, quick introductions and stuff. And she's immediately like, okay, I got to feed you guys. And she jumps in the <laughs> kitchen and begins cooking for everyone. And, uh, as her and Fiora are catching up, Ken mentions that there's been like this ominous tone in the city as of late and a shadow ever since the Dark Moon was seen. Um, and she was referring to Ruidus, the smaller moon of um, Exandria. And she says that uh, one of the Tetrarchs, uh, Tetrarch Umeji, has left, left the city to go south um, to the Iron Authority, who are like... Um, this kind of like ominous group that we don't know too much about, but uh, they're like warmongers and they um, worship the betrayer gods. And basically that there's, there's a bad omen coming. That's like the vibe in the city. And um, mm-hmm. Umeji left to go see if the iron authority is aware of like, what's coming, what's happening. Um, Fira Rai is shocked to hear that she's left because that's who she was bringing the party to speak to uh, Tetrarch Umeji. So she was like, what she's not here. And, um, Gennar was like, "Yeah, she's not here, but she spent the night at my place before, before uh, she left." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the um, after the party, you know, is meeting Gennar and all of this. They uh, decide to ask her about the runic sigil from the ash hole. You know, the, basically, the whole purpose they came here. And she lets them know that, um, well one she recognizes it. She's pretty nonchalant about it. She's like, yeah, this uh this just means place of burning. Like what what's the big deal? What do you want with this? And um basically lets them know that the the way the symbol is drawn has as much meaning as the actual like Calligraphy is not the right word. Yeah, but, like the
1: shape of it's just as important as the actual language itself right. or something like that.
0: Right. And so she's just like, but yeah, it means place of burning and um cool beans. And they're like, Oh, okay. And she's <laughs> like, you know, I'm no scholar. If you're right, did you tell them I was like some scholar? And they're like, No, no, you know, we'll go talk to the other tetrarch and see if mm. we can find out more. But um anyway, while they're eating and stuff, every the party meets her dog, Gugal. It was this, like big mutt of a dog and they're all beginning to play with him. And Ashley Johnson, of course, as always gives him scritches, like name a more iconic <laughs> duo between Ashley Johnson and petting a, a, an animal. But uh, as they're playing, the dog at one point actually um, grabs the crown and they have to kind of wrestle away from him. It's all a big thing, but uh, Dorian is thankfully able to ultimately get it from him. Um, so they settle down. They're eating, and while they do this, uh, they make their introductions formally. Fiorai introduces the whole party to Gennar, and it's here that we learn that Dorian Storm is not Dorian's real name. So everyone begins to pry and be like, "What? What's what? that's not? That's not your real name. What is your real name?" And he just he says that, "Okay, you know what? I'll tell you guys my real name, but only my first name, and only if everyone else like shares a deep dark secret as well." And so everyone's like, okay, we're in. So Dorian reveals his real name is Bronte and that his mother calls him Bron, but that he still wants everyone to call him Dorian and that he left his name behind. Um, then Opal reveals that her real name is Georgina and that her mother left when they were very young and she doesn't want anyone to call her Georgina, like still call her Opal. <laughs> so then we get to Dariax and he's he's like, <laughs> you know, I'm a pretty open book. Um, but then he does reveal that he and Tharla star never actually dated. He was just a big fan <laughs> and, uh, made that up to sound cool. <laughs> so then we get to Fern and she's like, you know, I don't really have any secrets. And she like kind of struggles to think of something to say. And then, um, finally reveals that, you know, her parents left, um, a very long time ago. She hasn't seen them in about 50 years. And once again, everyone's like 50 years, how old are you again? And, you know. I think she's 114, 115, or something crazy like that. But no no deep and juicy secrets with her, really. Um, and then with Orem, kind of a similar story, but he does reveal that he doesn't really have a father. Well, he did, but he left when he was young, and uh, his last name was Tarantel, I believe. And uh, Orem kind of just abandoned that name because he didn't really have that father. Uh, yeah. But then he says, okay, I actually was checking out uh, Dariax's butt when we were all skinny dipping and it wasn't half bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then we get to Fira who, or Fira Rai, who says that she tells this kind of more serious story about her and her sister when they were younger, um, how they were climbing this rock and basically her sister Fira Kai fell down and in so doing kind of crashed into Fira Rai and Fira Rai ended up breaking her arm. And Fira Rai says that, you know, they went back to their parents and she knew her parents would be mad. So Fira Rai uh, just took the whole blame and said it was her own fault. She fell and broke her arm and kind of kept her sister out of all of it. And she basically said that, you know, ever since her her sister was mad that, you know, she kind of took all the blame and protected her in that way. And that just kind of explains like the dynamic they've they always Mm -hmm. had since then, since, uh. You know, Fira is all about protecting her sister. Um, so, yeah, they're they all swapping these stories. And um, Ginnara basically adds that the, the K'noran civilization, where they are, used to be this massive thing with four large cities in each cardinal direction. And Niro was at the center. And since there were these four big cities, basically there was a leader of each one. And that is what the Tetrarchs were. And every so often, they would come to Nirdopak and basically make the decisions to guide their civilization. But that was a long time ago, and now there are no longer the four cities. Uh, Nirdopak is all that remains. And we find out that they are ancient ancients, so much so that they don't refer to Tal'Dorei as Tal'Dorei. They don't even know what Tal'Dorei is. They called it Guassar. And, um, yeah, I think there was... Uh, like there's one other thing she revealed there but now i can't remember (laughs) um, it's
1: a huge detail but no yeah
0: (laughs) but uh yeah so she reveals that and you know i think oh i think it was that like oh you're so old like are you ancient and she's like no i'm only 40 um just because this place is ancient doesn't mean the people here are right Um, so anyway after they get all caught up um Fear is basically like, okay, you know what? I got to take them to go see the Tetrarch so we can learn more about this rune. And they head off.
1: Yeah. And so on their way to the, the, the format of the city is not very clear, but they're heading basically to like a plaza, like sort of like a central point of the city. And as they arrive to this plaza square, they come across this massive statue known as the observer. And Abrea doesn't really describe much about what this observer looks like other than that it's feminine. But whenever they look at it, Dariax has this moment sort of outside of the party where the observer actually comes to life and animates and looks down at him and says, hi, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, what's going on? (laughs) And she basically says, hey, I like what you're doing. And I I just wanted you to know that you're going to continue to have my favor if you need it. And he's like, well, who, who are you? <laughs> who am I getting favor from? And she says, simply, I observe. And then she also adds, the gift is strong with many, yourself included. And then says, my chosen are coming. They'll explain more. Very um, uncertain what she's meaning. Yeah. Uh, but then that conversation ends and she returns to being the statue and the party's kind of like, oh, cool statue. And then they realize that Dariax has had now this moment. Um, Fira Rise actually really surprised that the Observer spoke to him and is like, you know, what did she say? What happened? And He's like, yeah, this is what she said. Well, so um, Fira kind of explains that the Observer basically sees everything and also helps others to be able to see and uh they decide to continue on into the central plaza and as they're walking into the building where the tetrarchs are there's these two big um lion-esque statues that have um a it's hard to describe it's like these three heads that are conjoined yeah um these lion-esque heads and abria sort of casually says they're kind of like this um, bandersnatches-esque type monster well once they're inside they meet uh Tetrarch Thrascal, and Thrascol is a Loxodon um which, is, which I don't know if I'm saying that right Loxodon I think Loxodon? So. okay um I think of it this is going to really piss off some people I think of it them as like the babars of Exandria yes. <laughs> it's an elephant like um race that this is one of the first times they've officially been included in Alexandria. And this is one of the Tetrarchs, one of the leaders of Nirdalpok. And Thraskel is some sort of seer, some kind of oracle. And like the observer, uh, they seem to have some kind of deep knowledge about things that are happening, not just in the city, not just outside the city, but especially details about the party. Uh, in one case, they're sharing a, a mirror with Opal, who's just like, I just need to get a look at myself. And Opal actually sees a familiar face with two different eye colors in the reflection. And she's really taken aback. And Thraskel rightly points out that, hey, this is your mother, isn't it? And Opal's like, yeah. Um, Thraskel also sees other eyes that are watching Opal, which is a reference to eyes that Fira has gained insight on being watching, excuse me, other eyes that were watching <laughs> Opal earlier uh, through her gift. Right. And we are it's pretty obvious this is Morada or the Singhorn elves, or we assume it is. And Thraskel basically says, um, I'll remove the scrying spell from you and keep you from being tracked any longer. Uh, Thraskel also goes to Aurum and an acolyte comes out and brings this dark seed that Thraskel hands over to Orym and basically says, hey, this arrived on the wind before you got here and I knew it was meant for you. And Orum's like, thank you. What do I do with this? <laughs> and Thraskel's like, you're a Janasi, so make it grow. And he's like, Okay. (laughs) And then uh, to Fiori, Thraskell talks about Fiori's family, specifically her sister, and says, essentially, I see your sister alive and waiting for you uh, to the north past Iman. And Fiori naturally is just totally shocked about this and is like, my sister's alive? Are you kidding me? And Thraskell's like, yeah, your sister's alive. Um, Thraskell also generically talks about the party and describes the party and says there's something really special about all of you, um, the, the, I don't see necessarily the omen on you, the, the fate that has sort of been drawn out for all of you, you're all going to make a really important decision for better or for worse. Um, and even says it's either going to be um, sort of like for a great outcome or a terrible outcome. Uh, and even points out that the rune that they've been looking for more information about they say that it's not just a place of burning, but it's a, it's a gateway of power. It's a place of massive energy. Um, on top of this, uh, Thraskell talks uh, po- talks also about Umeji going down to the Iron Authority and saying that something is coming and says um, in sort of like a fatalistic kind of way, sort of just sort of uh, accepts the fate of whatever's destined for Noodal Pak. Uh, and yeah. even asked the party to remember their experience here and to sort of tell stories of what life was like here, uh, which is not something you sort of just casually tell people <laughs> if you're going to be around much yeah. longer. Uh, but it's, you know, Therese was sort of talking about this ominous omen over the um, city. And then finally is like, okay, I'm going to go look at the stars and kind of call it there. So the party heads out, uh, but not before Fear Ride doubles back and privately talks to Thraskel. And when they were talking earlier, Dorian had said, hey, why don't we all go south to help your friend Umeji? And Thrasco was like, well, she can probably take care of herself, but if that's what you want to do, well, Fira Rai now at the end of the conversation is like, hey, I'm worried that Dorian wants to go south, not because of Umeji, but because these people worship the betrayer gods. And she basically says, I'm worried about him. And Thrasco says, you're right to be worried. He's losing himself to something. Presumably the circlet. Uh and then Fear Rai goes back to the party and they exit out of the building. So you want to wrap us up from there?
0: Yeah. So basically the entire rest of the episode from that point is this like chase battle scene. So as as the party's leaving the plaza, um kind of catching up, Opal is all of a sudden struck by a poison dart that just immediately begins to knock her unconscious. And, um, I think it was Dorian happens to notice like movement in the smoke. And so they're like, okay, what's going on? And so, uh, basically the chase scene just happens. Someone who's invisible runs in, grabs Opal, throws him over their, throws her older, oh my gosh, over their shoulder and just begins darting away. Um, so Opal is just looks like she's levitating, like running away from them. Cause like I said, she's being carried by someone invisible so fern and fiori immediately go after her and fern transforms into a dire wolf and is using her like keen sense of smell in order to track them since um the person's invisible and actually what they do is uh, opal was initially still visible but this person we're told removes like a ring and that's what was casting greater invisibility and then puts the ring back on so then opal too becomes invisible um so uh, we, we cut to Ted, who is inside Opal, and she is like fighting off this poison dart that Opal was struck with. And that is giving um, Opal enough strength to be able to remain conscious during all of this when she should be unconscious. And because of that, she's able to muster the strength to cast Misty Step and teleport actually onto Fern's back, who's the direwolf. And so then the three ladies are all still chasing down this invisible person, and they do manage to catch catch them and pretty brutally murder them. <laughs> yeah. um, meanwhile, uh, the rest of the party is kind of back a bit at the plaza because not only was there this invisible cap door, but there was another um, another figure as well who we come to find out is Mirada uh, of the Singorn Elves. And she has cast a spell that has animated those two Bandersnatch statues Blake was just talking about, and is causing them to attack Orum and Dorian. And um, meanwhile, <laughs> or, sorry, no, yeah, Dorian. So meanwhile, Dariath. He used his has used his hat of disguise uh, to make himself look like opal to try to like provide some distraction because they he knew that they were after opal so he's like well if i look like opal maybe i can you know get them to come back and try to get me and uh so while that's going on dorian and oram are fighting off the bandersnatches and continue to chase mirada and she basically in this moment is revealing that you know she's all in on capturing opal for some reason she says that all will be lost if she is not able to capture opal um so they you know are deal with these banner snatch and go after mirada and she proudly states that um i will burn the world to have what i want and then she boom dimension doors out and uh so yeah they aren't able to stop her or anything um so then now that all that combat and craziness finishes out, you know, we're able to rescue Opal. Um, the party is basically getting ready to move on. Uh, but Fira Rai actually says, you know what? I, I can no longer go with you. I found out that my sister is still alive. So, you know, I have to go, I have to go in that direction. I have to go try and find my sister. Um, so she kind of says her goodbyes to everyone. Uh, and in so doing, kind of has a little private moment with uh, Dorian specifically. And mm-hmm. reveals to him that she knows that he knows the truth of what happened. Because um, a few episodes ago, you know, Dorian had his memory restored mm-hmm. and um, remembers the past with Fiori, but neither of them had ever talked about that yet. But so she lets him know that, hey, I know, you know, and she just encourages him to, hey, like, make the right decision. And it's pretty vague. And he just says, Yeah. I'll do anything for my friends, and that's basically where the episode ends, Um, but we do have another post-credit scene, and in this scene, we see Ted, who's just basically exhausted from having to ward off that poison from Opal and protect her, and she is confronted with two purplish eyes, and Ted screams, and that's where the episode ends.
1: And that's episode number six, The Gift Among the Green.
0: Numero seis.
1: So let's Ooh. talk about it. Yeah. A lot. There was a lot of implications of this episode, for sure. Um, yes. And a lot of it, and it, it, and I don't know where to start. We always say this every week. All right, where do we start? <laughs>
0: let's, I mean, unless you have some place, I say let's just start right there, because I saw my sure. mind at the very end, which like clearly to me those eyes are mirada right you think right yeah which is interesting because I, I mean i'm not trying to get too into the rules of D here but um Thrascal, is that right yeah she removed the scrying spell which i mean i guess could just mean like if there was an active spell happening she stopped it
1: they yeah they removed they, it yeah
0: and then i just didn't know if i guess Murata just recast the spell and so she now is scrying again i i i took it to mean like hey i've prevented that from straight up happening at least for a while but i
1: i interpreted it as like thrascal removing the scrying spell um is sort of what forced mirada's hand of now i can no longer see and track so, I, I this. This now is taking this to the next level. So that's why, they which attacked. is why Thraskel went in to um uh kidnap Opal. Um, you mean Murata. why Murata you said, went in to kidnap Opal. Yeah,
0: you said Thraskel, so I was just making sure I, yeah. I didn't <laughs> miss something even bigger. Thraskel's in on it.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, well, that that'll makes be a sense. separate video. Why Thraskal is <laughs> the big bad
0: <laughs> things you missed. Um, yeah <laughs> but so, top 15 anyway but so do you just take that to mean that she rescribed on her or is that like a different implication altogether that maybe like she
1: i think to i think this is different because there's actually a line of dialogue doesn't doesn't marada say something like i've waited so long I think for so. this something moment like that something like that um jamie pull that up real quick <laughs> um hang on let me let me look real quick
0: and so while you're looking, I'm just going to speak. Uh, so clearly, and this is I, I'm very obvious at this point, it's, it's Ted is what she's after, right? Or at least what Ted represents in terms of some type of power or... I don't know. I'm just so confused because seemingly Ted was alive and a real person at some point. So it's weird to me that like, I just don't know. I don't I don't know what like the actual power of it is that she is after and she thinks that she can take from Opal. But clearly it's something important enough that she like she says she'll burn down the whole world for it.
1: Which does that mean does she cause the Ono plateau?
0: That's interesting. I don't think so just because they that was or wait was that before they met them or after they met them?
1: Before they met them.
0: Oh, if it was before, then maybe. Okay, yeah, then maybe. I was thinking it was after.
1: So so I just rewatched it. Um, and we'll, we'll retcon our recap a little bit. Uh, I thought it was Purplish Eyes. It, it's a woman in purplish energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she says is, I've been looking for you for so long. And that's when Ted screams. Which makes me want i assumed it's marada purple purple's like the theme of this character
0: threading the purple with her so yeah
1: but that seems a bit strange right because i mean i don't know because when we first met marada they came more across like stewards of the forest right right like this is their place that they kind of keep the magic in check the fey in check Right. and not i've been looking for you unless she went through the portal and she got possessed and now it's not Murata, it's someone else and they're looking for opal to get to ted i don't
0: know that would be interesting but you know so that in that moment where they met in the forest she detected thoughts on ted right and that's kind of the seemingly the impetus for all this is that's when she like i guess saw ted and maybe realized what opal is whatever that may be right and we even talked about this at length in that episode whichever episode that was that like there was some ominous comment about like a drop of water was slowly spreading and like this is not over yet so to me that means that and she may have very well have gone through the portal but to me that the like the uh, shoot. I implication? Yeah, like the implication was that like from that moment, Murata was like trained in on her for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's, and going back to what I said a few minutes ago, it feels like this moment is a little bit different in that it seems like maybe it's the first time Ted has had this character speak to her. Mm-hmm. Um And it almost seems like, and this doesn't quite make sense because Murata escaped, right? And yet, in this post-credit scene, it's almost as if she's arrived. She's there, and she's saying, "Hey, I've I've been like this is the moment I've been waiting for." Almost. Yeah. Um, something else. Abria had tweeted out that this is largely a story about Opal, um, that her character is really central to the story, which makes me wonder. What even is Opal? what is Ted? Yeah, um, what's the connection with their mother? And right. it feels like this this moment that happened in this last episode is going to be really critical for the next two episodes,
0: yeah, I agreed. I mean, it seems like it seems like at least the Opal, Dorian, and to some extent Fern, but less recently because of the whole dark fern mirror. but so, recently opal and dorian seem like the major players here and which we won't get into dorian yet because i don't want to don't want to go there yet but yeah like uh, there's something going on and that uh, we, we you know we briefly talked about how the fact that her dad had been to now maybe did he make it all the way to near del Pac when he went to the ruins or did he not you know get that far and how did how did Thras- Thraskell know that that was their mom? Is she just like wise, or did she know her mom? Perhaps her mom was been in the city, or I don't know. Obviously, it's it's somewhat connected, right? And probably all plays into whatever Opal is.
1: I thought it spoke to Thraskell's sort of clairvoyance. Yeah, but you make a good point that um, remember by really the last. Town on the way to the ruins of Quinira. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the last stop before you go into this thick jungle. And even though it's a month's journey, it's sort of the last spot on the map. Mm-hmm. And so we know that her mom left when she was young. Maybe she did eventually make her way to park
0: And this might be me reading too much into it, but the fact that her mom had two different eyes kind of made me and i know that's a that's like a real thing in in life that people have but maybe it was like a parallel to the fact that opal is like has two people in her so maybe like her mom had the same thing and like that's like was a a manifestation of that like
1: i i took it to mean something something along the lines of ted and opal are both equal parts of whatever their mom was Mm. Um, you know, not just their their mom's daughter, but there's more to the mother than meets the eye. In the sense of, um, yeah. I would assume some some kind of creature of great power, some kind of human of great power or human esque figure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. What do they call this dark place that Ted? keep thinking of it as like the sunken place, but yeah, uh, it's called the what space. Uh, does
0: it have a name?
1: The yeah, she calls it like the lith oh, lithmic liminal? space, liminal. liminal space. Yeah, <laughs> liminal space. Um, which has has anything in D and D and Critical Role been in this kind of space before?
0: Um,
1: because I'm curious about like the properties of this place, like because if Marauders. I'm wondering, is is Murata physically there now? Is she projecting herself there now? I mean, I'm not sure.
0: So I think that, I mean, from my interpretation of it, liminal was just like an adjective. Like, I don't think, okay for me, I don't think it was like a proper name for that place. I think, because liminal just means like, kind of like this, like the space in between, like, you know, like, it's, i i don't know i don't have a good definition but,
1: you're doing a good job of saying it without having to say it yeah like well i only ask because even in the post credits because it was referenced earlier but in the in the post credits Abrias opens the post credits setting with we're in the we're in the liminal space again basically yeah. and so um maybe it is just a, a random adjective but has now become like the name of where where she is right um but it, it's interesting to me that I'm curious what's happening with Murata. I'm also curious why she's obviously very powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, animating the bander and then dimension door, like these are not like level two or level three party type abilities. Right. Um, so she's obviously powerful. So I'm also curious. Why did she leave? Like, why didn't she just like, Hey, I'm going to kill all you guys. Um, and part of me wonders if she didn't need to, if if what happened was enough to now allow her access to Ted, as what we saw in the post credit scene.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because I do think, you know, clearly she was scrying on her earlier, but I do think, like you mentioned, the fact that like there was apparently like words spoken and Ted like screams in response that what Murata is doing now is at the very least more powerful than a scry like maybe it's like a more like it might not be an actual spell in D, &D, but like now her presence is more physical although i don't mean that she's like actually there but like now she can actually interact with her so maybe like you said that that poison dart or something gave her more intimate access to what's going on Mm
1: -hmm. so it says um Here's what's interesting. I looked up just the actual spell, Scry, Scrying, because yeah. I was just curious, how does it work? Uh, you can see and hear a particular creature you choose that is on the same plane of existence as you. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, is this liminal space, does Opal count for that? Or does Morada have some kind of, you know, beyond the physical plane of existence you know, way of actually, because that's what I was kind of getting at earlier was, is Marada actually physically here before Ted uh, or not? Yeah. Um, which I don't know.
0: I feel like she's not, but I don't know. I, I am just a guess, but she somehow is, you know, communicating with her now, but I, I feel like there's, and there doesn't have to be rules that make any of this make sense. Like it's D and right. can do whatever you want, but, I'm just curious and, you know, not to reach red ground here, but like, what is Ted? Like so far it's just been the, the cool flavor for warlock abilities. Right. Right. But the fact that Murata is treating this as such like a world ending power, it's like, what is this? Like, it it seems more than just normal warlock patron stuff.
1: And the stakes are pretty high too, where it's like, I would burn the world to have you.
0: Yeah. you
1: got you got problems i mean like (laughs) like so so powerful that she would murder everyone right just to have it that's that's what's interesting to me
0: and what for like in in her mind does she have some noble ends justify the means like if i had this power you know i could protect singhorn or you know whatever or is it like hey i want that power because i can like rule the world with it like, I just, I have no idea.
1: I did wonder if it was like more of like a ends justify the means type deal, like for the greater good, or if it was evil, but the burn the world thing kind of sold me on. Okay. If you're going to, I'm thinking this is probably more nefarious. If, if you're willing to burn the world, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I did wonder though, cause I was kind of straddling that line between, um, you know, is it a power that, you know, even at the expense of Opal, I need it for Syngorn or for what's coming or cause you do have to wonder if, if the tetrarchs are, are aware of some ominous, um, omen something's over coming. something's coming, um, which I'm assuming is maybe a campaign three, something, but if something's coming, I wonder if it's not just the tetrarchs who are aware of that, but also other people like yeah. the elves of Syngorn who are aware that something is coming. um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I feel like we have so many, like, things that that may be connected, and so that would make it make sense, but are potentially unconnected. Like, whatever Opal is, what's going on there? The Spider Queen. Mm -hmm. Those seemingly aren't connected. But then we have the Ash Hole. Is that connected to either of those two? Or is it also its own thing? And then we have the something ominous that's coming is that any of the three things you just mentioned, or is that another thing? And then we and also the, yeah, go ahead. Keep I was gonna say we also have, which I think this is connected to something, but we also have Dorian and the big decision that may or may not imply time travel. That's that is also like coming down the pipes right. And the say? war,
1: the war mother, the war oh, queen. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, the war queen. Right. Um, the thing that's older and nastier than loth right that That, uh
0: control of fear right yeah
1: what um and also um i guess the the missing week ties into dorian's decision um the figure they saw at the crater that sort of is part of this missing week yeah and then there was one more thing i was thinking of um oh the nameless ones we we haven't we haven't seen them in a couple episodes but pasca and the nameless ones who are doing something with residuum um which maybe maybe they're involved in one of these things maybe pasca's working with marada i don't know um yeah there's a lot happening here
0: there is and i feel like kind of and
1: and umegi and the iron authority and all these other new characters being introduced uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
0: No, you're fine. I was just gonna point us back to what we were saying when we started the episode about how, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but you know we only have two episodes left, and here we are in this past episode. Like, I'm trying to be careful with my words here. I, I don't know. It just and dnd is its own game it's a living breathing world that's what makes it great so not everything has to be answered not everything has to be resolved but i just still feel like with two episodes left of those 100 things we just mentioned i don't really know like what we're going toward besides right. obviously something with opal but
1: right yeah and it's it's my biggest apprehension rep- apprehension with the show right now is there's the the world every episode is introducing another another seat at the table mm-hmm. of a, of an important character and so it's getting hard to th- to mentally process w- where the momentum of the story is going exactly um i thought last episode was really strong because the dreams with um the spider queen was a very tangible central okay yeah it brings us back to episode 1 the right. very first thing the circlet and that's really easy to grab onto and resonate with. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying like any of this is too confusing for people or it's too confusing for us to follow. It's just in the constraints of two episodes left. Right. It's hard to really um, get a grip on where the story is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say Abria had tweeted out that one of her big goals with uh, EXU was she wanted to leave the world bigger than she found it. And so that's why she created Pak, Um, and presumably introduced some of these other characters was so that, um, you know, when, when Taldore Reborn is published or when Campaign 3 is happening, there are these... The setting isn't so much um, dependent on Matt's creation in the moment, but that we know this is a living, breathing world. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, in episode thirty of Campaign Three, they meet the War Queen. You're like, "Oh man, the War Queen! I know who that is." Yeah. So, like, I I get it from that aspect, but with two episodes left, this central theme of the show, it's it's really hard to get a sense of where we're going with this, for sure.
0: Yeah, agreed. And you know, I'm not, and I don't think you're saying this either. It's not that it's a bad thing. Like, it's awesome that this world building's happening. It's just that, like it's hard to tell where we're going with two episodes left and, you know, Abria might land the boat perfectly and, you know, everything is like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what she was doing there. And, you know, but, uh, I just, I just don't know what to expect and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but
1: yeah, I think, I think for me, it's like a mix between, I don't know what to expect and I'm apprehensive about being satisfied with the with the conclusion and it's not so much like, um, it's kind of like we've, I mentioned I joked about this on an earlier episode, but it's kind of like, as we were getting towards the end of lost, you know, season six of lost. And there was like four episodes left and you were like, Oh my gosh, there's so many things that they haven't answered yet. Like it's going to be, I can't believe these geniuses are going to answer all this in four episodes. And then they got, it was over and there was just, and I love the show. It's one of my favorite shows, but I know there was a lot of people who were like, Wow. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that they didn't cover. And there was a sense of dissatisfaction of the emotion and energy put into what's that or what's happening here or what could happen here. Those plot threads sort of being left to the wayside. I'm I'm apprehensive of the same thing happening in two episodes where it ends. And I think, man, that was such a great experience, man. But I wish I could have gotten closure here, here, and here.
0: Right. That's fair. And who knows what the next two episodes hold. And I know we've speculated about, like, is there going to be a season two, like, with these people? Maybe. Or, you know, or maybe some of these threads are picked up in C3. So I don't know.
1: Bria does say when she's exiting Fear Rai, she says something like, you know, you'll see them again.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that because I wanted to bring that up. So that made me think that, like, hey, uh, Anjali maybe is not going to be in episode seven, but maybe is going to show back up in episode eight, or maybe is going to be there for both, but maybe she just like her character is away for a while. But then and not, and I hope this isn't like metagaming, but from like the language they've all been using on Twitter and stuff, I kind of got the vibe that like she was done, done.
1: I, I agree. Yeah. I, that's, I, I had the same exact thought. I thought, Oh, maybe she like scheduling issue. Like couldn't yeah. be on episode seven. Right. but she'll be back to save the day in episode eight reading twitter um there was a really awesome um thread between uh Anjali and jolly and abria that was basically like thanks so much for letting me be part of the experience yeah, that yeah, was really so great it. it was basically a goodbye thread right and so so yeah i don't think she's back but then that comment of um you know you'll see them again i'm right. thinking so now i'm back on the bandwagon of this this it's an eight-episode story, but it's not the end. Maybe there will be a season two. Um, or maybe Abrea was just being, you know, throwing hopeless optimism to us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: So, yeah, I, I didn't know what to make that. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised either way, like, if she was done or if she did show back up. But I I didn't know how to, to parse that. Um, Which, if she's... We've had this whole time travel thing that we've been trying to wrestle with this whole time. and so if if it is leading to some sort of time loop or something like that, then presumably she's gonna show back up because there needs to be the whole moment where like Dorian makes his decision, whatever that is and you know, Furi sacrifices herself to let them all escape unless that unless time travel we're just making that up and it has nothing to do with time travel and that just happened to her three episode one. I don't
1: know. We we know that she describes herself arriving in the, in the forest to help the party as just appearing, just being there basically and knowing she needed to protect them. So yeah, maybe it's a weird loop where her leaving them is what le- leads her to somehow roundabout way, help with the decision that puts her back in the forest. I, I don't know. This stuff gets way confusing to talk about.
0: I know, and I feel like there there's really been no concrete evidence to point to time travel at all but it seems to make sense for like these weird vagaries we've been presented with. It's mm-hmm. so, like I don't know if I'm just like being insane even like putting that on the table as a possibility or if that's like if we're supposed to be thinking that, you know. Yeah, I don't know. But just I guess while we're on this, you know, we have this big decision that Dorian is apparently going to make. Which, again, implies that, like, how do you know that if, if time travel is not involved? But when we were talking about, like, the five different or whatever, how many things there were, I'm wondering if the the something ominous that Thraskel and, you know, the whole city was feeling vibes about, you know, something bad was coming, maybe to try to attempt to tie these all together, maybe it is the Spider Queen that they can, like, feel her presence becoming more powerful or something and the big decision on is is if dorian facilitates this or not you know like so i don't know i if i don't know maybe maybe they are all connected in that and that's i don't know how opal fits into that but maybe (laughs) the big ominous thing coming is also dorian's decision and it all is tied to the spider queen and maybe she's the big bad but it doesn't really feel yeah. like she's tied to the ash hole so i don't
1: know i think um i don't remember if it was ganar who said this or if it was in a previous episode but when they're talking about the ash hole they basically the description is i think it was Gunnar maybe um or maybe maybe not but they're talking about it being um something around massive energy as if something was trying to come through or something waiting to come through i can't remember the exact language yeah, yeah. So to me, that paints a mental picture of something on the other side that is sort of gathering its strength to um for the detriment of Taldore is <laughs> something's going to be coming that's really bad. I wonder for me if that is connected to um what the Tetrarchs have sensed as something's coming. Right. Yeah. Um, which I mean, you know, it, it could be, or it could be, like we said with Abria and her world building, it could be campaign three is going to have a number of major villains that they're going to work through.
0: Yeah. Just, hmm.
1: Which Dorian, you know, I, I love Dorian's like, you know, she's like, don't do this decision. He's like, I'll do anything for my friends. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of unsettled by that. It's kind of like, okay, that didn't really convince me. I, I still feel pretty nervous about you, Braun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, bro, I hope they do a campaign wrap up talking about all this because I want to ask so many like specific questions because like, yeah, this decision, which when she speaks like that, it's almost referencing like she knows she's implying she's implying that he he knows what she's talking about, you know, like, hey, make the right decision this time. And so how could she possibly know unless there is some sort of time travel involved where she's familiar with it? Right. And like if it is that important, how I mean, he has to make it himself. Like, I feel like she should be doing more to like
1: Yeah. You know, like
0: like tell everybody yeah. else what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I was
1: like, really surprised she left, actually. Because like, earlier in her conversation with Thraskel, um, she's talking to Thraskel. Thraskel reveals that Fira Kai is alive, which is a whole nother whole nother thing. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Um but Kira Rai basically says like, well, I can't, I can't leave them. Like I've been, I've been called to protect them. Mm -hmm. And Thraskel says, well, and you have, like, they're all here. And we sort of get without so many words that this sense of duty towards them versus her own, not selfish, but her own like internal desires to go see her sister. Right. And it it was that conversation that made me think like, no, she's going to table her sister because this is really, this is really big. Mm -hmm. So whenever they left the plaza and the chasing happened and they were like, we're all good. And she was like, okay, guys, I got to go. I was a bit surprised that, yeah, like you said, that she wasn't like, hey, by the way, just so you guys all know, our boy Bron over here, Bronny, <laughs> he's going to not just ruin us, but destroy the world <laughs> or something. Yeah, We all got to make sure he doesn't do this. I, it's just weird to me that she was so casual and you know i don't know just that like hey by the way don't do that again (laughs) and then he's like don't worry and she's i'd be surprised she wasn't like okay that didn't convince me you know i mean i don't know
0: exactly so i mean maybe we can after episode eight we can kind of look back at these things through a different lens and maybe it'll all click and make sense but i don't know and it this also brings me back to something we mentioned in an earlier episode where like if if there is, and I hate that I'm even doing this many what ifs, but if there is time travel and a decision that they're both already aware of, that would require a Bria like giving them metagame knowledge, right? Like, right. You know, like she would have had to tell Robbie that, like, hey, Dorian did this or whatever, you know. And I just I don't know that. I mean, I was gonna well... say that like, seems strange, but I mean, I guess it's not. You could do whatever in D and D, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last episode or maybe the one before that on like, is this, is this a story that's naturally happening and it just so happens to be eight, eight episodes? Or was there a bit more of a storyboarding happening prior to what we're seeing that mm-hmm. we sort of already know things are going to happen? And we, I think we were a bit split on it. Split's so not the right word. I think we. I think both of us went kind of back and forth on like it could be either way. Yeah. Um. It does. I mean, I guess Dorian could be totally in the dark and could be totally clueless, and is just continuing to act. You know, and be yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I do know what happened, but I don't actually really know. Yeah. Um. It could also. It. It does seem more like a Bria probably pulled him aside and said, "Hey, this is what happened. This is what you remember. Um. And it just happened off camera. So. And then, But, but sorry, I don't mean to interrupt right, this ahead. now, but the other reason why I think this is a bit more storyboarded and enforced rather than natural is everyone else knows not to ask about it. Like, like no one asks or brings up the missing week. Like no one in, in, in conversations with people who could like shed like Thraskel, who's obviously observer esque and mm-hmm. knows all these things. No one's like, hey, we have this fuzzy week. What happened? And so the yeah. actors the actors are almost avoiding the conversation, so much so that you and I, early on in episode two or three, were like, is there a missing week? Or are yeah. they just, like, it, it was even confusing for us. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like there, there's something pre-written here, um, which maybe that goes against the flavor of D&D, maybe not if you see it as like this is a setup for campaign three i mean i don't know
0: yeah and i mean it really could be anything right like it not that sounded dumb coming out of my mouth but like it <laughs> could still be that like we're just not privy to it yet but there is like a purpose wh- while remaining unprewritten. like maybe just before the game she told them like hey you are missing this week but like it's like you don't even really like the memories, it's not, really, it's like, how am I trying to say this? Like almost like you have amnesia and you don't even realize you don't know type of thing. So uh, maybe it's just like okay. in character to like not mention it because like that, that would makes more it sense, almost actually. be metagaming to try and talk about it type of thing. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that and that, that satisfies me actually. Yeah, not even realizing that you're missing a week. Yeah. Um, or you assume that it was from, you know, I think I think you were the one who picked up and said, hey, do you think something happened and I was like, no, they were just wasted. <laughs> like it could be very much what they believe is like, no, yeah, we just don't remember what happened it was a drunken party. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, that's a great answer. That's a good point.
0: Okay. But why is Robbie not telling anyone else? what he remembered, you know, why is he like, why did he not tell everyone else that? Hey, yeah, we do know fear of ride, you know, like it's playing into kind of like this art, his character arc he's having where he like, you know, may do some messed up stuff in service of his friends but still some messed up stuff i just don't know there's there's more to him
1: yeah i mean i think his moment of clarity of knowing who she was has changed his tune a little bit on who she is like the paranoia around her because at the start of this episode he opens with an apology to her yeah, basically saying hey you are one of us sorry That's for true. being so standoffish um, I wonder if maybe the reason he hasn't brought it up to the party is because he's, he's fearful. He's fearful of what they might think of him or do to him. Or, um, I mean, these people's validation has been a lot to him. Um, he's part of their family, presumably after having to leave his own. And he might even be terrified. And I mean, think about episode one, uh, episode one, Dorian. I mean, the, the, the Bardic uh just feel good character i mean he might be terrified and thinking there's no way i could make that decision that would never happen um so he might just be in in denial about it so he doesn't want to tell it to people i'm not sure yeah and he probably also senses that Orem is a bit suspicious of him um cuz even when they were going uh skinny dipping Orem mentions that he watches the crown all the way Right. From yeah. Dariax over to Dorian when Dorian's holding the clothes and then once he feels like it's safe, it's when he jumps in himself. Yeah.
0: Ah, I just I hope hope we get some of these answers. I don't expect to get all of them, but I hope we get some of them.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's a great question is I feel like we always end this, we end up talking about this. Um where do we go from here? I've seen rumblings on Reddit of people who think we're heading towards a TPK, which really? for the, uh, amateur D and D That's a total party kill. Um, so some people are guessing that that's where we're heading since there are so many open plot threads that maybe we're just heading to a, a boom. Something's going to happen that wipes out the party. You and I have talked about, are we heading towards someone putting on the circlet? um, Abrea's comments on Fear Ryan knowing she'll see them again makes me wonder are we going to have a sort of cliffhanger ending, but the party's still relatively intact and there will be a season two? I don't know.
0: Me neither. Uh, I did want to talk about, sorry, uh, her sister being alive, Fear Ride's sister being alive. And kind of that just tying into something we mentioned earlier that I'm glad you reminded me of is that the Spider Queen saying that, oh, something meaner than me is involved with fear. Of what the hell is going on there? Just to tie that back into a little thing we said last episode that or I did, I, I didn't want to. Uh, I, I didn't feel like the, the test that they were given, you know, by the Wild Mother, by the voice, I wasn't convinced that that actually was the Wild Mother. Right. But given what we got in this episode, it seems like it was unless there is just this huge ass conspiracy going on. But it seems like, OK, that was the Wild Mother. But so if that's the case, if it is the Wild Mother, everything is on the up and up. Then what was the Spider Queen referring to when she says that she's wrapped up in something worse than me? I have. Well, we know,
1: know we okay. know they're fired Genasi. We know that. We don't know. I assume they come from some fire elemental plane. Fira um, Ryan, when she tells her story over drinks, she talks about. She doesn't say like, "Hey, we were over at like you know that mountain over there." Um, she says we were we were kids and we were climbing a fiery outcropping, mm-hmm. which is oddly specific. Um, I envision a you know. A fiery place. And so I didn't know if that was literally just like they grew up living in a volcano or if they literally lived like in a fire plane or something. If it's the latter though, the older worse evil could be whatever's trying to come through um the burning sigil or marking through the burning sigil. And it could even mean that Fira Kai is sort of being used as a prop or dangled to get fear ride to maybe leave the party, but more importantly to get her back North.
0: Okay. That's what I was going to get at because if that is what's happening, then that means Thraskell was in on it. Cause Thraskell is the one that told her that her sister was still alive. So if that is a manipulation. And so that got me thinking like, is near like all not what it seems. I don't think that's true, but I don't know. It'd be a
1: pretty long, long game, Yeah, considering she's been there before. It could be that, you know, Thraskel sort of, like, pulls on threads as they come to gain insights. And there's a god or a deity that's smart enough to know what thread to feed. Um, you know, to sort of guide people. Because here's the deal. It's interesting how the party... Is so quick to trust voices that speak to them, and this party is interesting. They get a lot of voices of gods, who the Observer, Malora, Spider Queen. I mean, they have a lot of people who are like, "Hey, what's up? You know, I'm this god. You know, I'm this deity." Yeah. And they're like, "Cool, yeah." And they just and they just trust it, right? And so there's a lot of naivety with that. And so I really liked your guess on Malora, whether it was true or not. It feels like a missed opportunity if one of these voices aren't fully what they seem.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I I feel like it's, I feel like that's not the case, but that's still doubt is still in my mind, especially because, you know, the city had to test them to see if they were worthy. They didn't really do anything. In my opinion, it just simply (laughs) asked, like, what would you do? And even Dorian, I think would have kind of failed the test if, if you were asking my opinion about it. And yet he still got (laughs) let in.
1: And Fear Rai said they've passed with flying colors. Yeah. So what did they do? I mean, they revealed... They gave very milk toast reactions of, like, I guess I'd leave. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't really, leave. like, a test of, like, courage or, like, right. bravery or integrity. Heroism. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know. How about, how about, like, what if I wanted to kill one of your friends? What would you do? Right. Take Fear Rai, She's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't... I mean, that's what I've mentioned Dorian saying. I mean
0: yeah I don't know. exactly so i feel like and it, this all is basically hinging on the one thing that the spider queen said which maybe that was just manipulation on her part maybe she was lying about fear being wrapped up in something you know like yeah maybe that was a misdirect but I don't know, i'm hung up on that and i'm hung up specifically on the visual of the memory dream that dorian was given of fear Rai like staring at him being like engulfed by black tendrils or it was something like that so to me i'm wondering if like in that moment whatever that moment was she was corrupted or taken by some entity or something but it doesn't really make sense now because unless she's playing a super super long game but that doesn't seem to be the case
1: yeah i mean like her leaving also how's she gonna show up and do that again you know I, I don't know. Well, I guess
0: she can be <laughs> teleported, so maybe she'll just get pooped.
1: Yeah. But, and then what's going on with the Nameless Ones? You know, when they're going to show up.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have to, right? I feel like Posca right. at least has to show up again.
1: I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's interesting how, and then I, I guess the other thing going on, the same like conversation of like passing the test and being able to find Neardal is it, So simple that just following someone who does pass the test is able to find it because, like, how does Marada true end up there as well? Um, which she does have the residuum spikes, maybe that's sort of suppresses the magic.
0: We don't know what that was about, still,
1: maybe it suppresses the magic and allows her to see the city. I don't know,
0: that makes sense because I forgot that that even happened because there was no reference to that. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. So, maybe that's maybe she bypassed the test mm-hmm. or maybe we're just
1: grasping at straws to try to make doing <laughs> try to make, make make sense <laughs> we're probably doing a little bit of that too <laughs> so <laughs> it's the fun of the show though you know yeah. talking about what if uh speaking of what if august 13th uh actually i don't know what day it is but um i think it's next yeah, talking, about, talking about what if and you know what could be happening and it's part of the journey part of the fun of watching the show and. It's also why we always invite you guys, the listeners to drop in the comments and tell us what you think on um, what the heck's going on, what's going to happen in the next two episodes and well, where do we go from here? So,
0: yo, yeah, for real. We like, we don't get enough of them. I'm sad that we don't get enough comments and discussion. If you have made it to this part of the video, please just say hello. And I'll personally <laughs> respond. Would love to talk theories <laughs> with you guys. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. But so. yeah, Anything else you wanted to talk about from this episode?
0: There was, I'm sure, there's a ton of things, but there's there's one thing that I actually remember to talk about, um, and this is just a little what ifing for you: the seed, the mm. seed that Orem is given, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. And because wasn't it said that someone had just come through and left it for him, or something said,
1: like that? It said it had just come, it had just arrived on the wind. Cause I went back and watched.
0: Okay. Uh, I went
1: back and watched that scene again.
0: And it arrived for him.
1: It says it just arrived on the wind and they knew it was for him. Okay. So not like intentionally like, Hey, this is for Orum." Right. Right. But Rascal knew this is for Orum. Or I guess maybe once, once Rascal met him as an Ashari <laughs> was like, Oh, this is probably for you. Yeah.
0: It, it's not like it had a note that said for Orum. <laughs> it was more of like, Oh, this is for you. Like, yeah, intuitive yeah. type of thing yeah um i th- I probably have more to say on this than you do but i because this is what i'm gonna say is based on campaign one um and i'm just pulling this out of nowhere so i have no real basis for this other than hey seed tree there was a there's a very importance not really the right word but like prominent tree in campaign one called the sun tree and it was like it was special, but not in any like it's omega powerful type of way it just it recurred a lot and it was a very big prominent tree and um part of me wonders if this is like a seed to make another a type of tree like that um hmm. and perhaps okay. in um I forgot the name of it uh zephra the, where he's from to maybe perhaps have a sun tree there because the one from campaign one was not in zephra it was in whitestone um yeah okay, no basis for saying this. it's not I don't even know if if sun trees are rare, you know, but I just have <laughs> no idea what else to even think of with a big mysterious seed being given I to just short i life. just
1: I just loved how Liam O'Brien acted it out of like you know graciously, like thank you what do I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like everyone's wondering the same thing,
0: yes, exactly, uh-huh.
1: but... so <laughs> make it grow, <laughs> okay, <laughs> tucks it away.
0: But so My hope was just that in campaign three or whenever that like, cause I mean, presumably he's going to take it back to Zephyr, right? Like his home. Uh, that would is my best guess at least. So just hoping to maybe one day see, like we see some magnificent tree there. And then it's just like a little Easter egg. They're like, Oh yeah. Orym planted that 30 years ago or whatever.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it feels like this can't be the end of these characters because of the setups beyond these next two episodes whether that is a a season two of some kind, or if these characters will show up again in campaign three, I'm not really sure. Um, But something like the seed to me makes me think there's a longevity to this party beyond two episodes.
0: Yeah. Or, or or the very least their legacy, you know, maybe we never see Orm again, but we do see the tree, you know, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Which do we know, are these events happening at the same time as the Mighty Nine,
0: uh, No, there is a um, there's like a time, there's like an infographic that explains the whole timeline of like all Critical Role. So I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure this is like 10 to 20 years after Mighty Nine. So we're currently okay. like the most present of anything that, of anything in the canon. Like this is the most recent happenings.
1: Okay yeah cuz i knew that um i knew we were obviously like way past uh the episodes of um the the of Vox Machina thank you mm-hmm. but i wasn't sure about um the rest of it so yeah but yeah you're spot on like, here's here's a map so thank it's actually you. yeah it's 20 years after the 99 20 okay so so yeah Wait, no, it's not. Sorry. Oh, it's not. I don't know what this is. The Tales of Exandria. I don't know what that is. Sorry. Exandria Unlimited were six years after the Mighty Nine.
0: Okay. Six. Tales of Exandria, I think, are, um, it's like a book, I think. Comic book. Or comic yeah. books. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So Mighty Nine was 25 years after Vox Machina, and Exandria is six years after the Mighty Nine. Okay so okay cool
0: be the more you we got, know. we've got a bunch of illusions and easter eggs it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if we maybe get a campaign two slash mighty nine easter egg before it's all said and done yeah yeah i won't i won't say anything like i won't even give any potentials because i don't want to spoil but it would just be interesting
1: yeah okay all right well maybe it's a good time to call it there yeah and uh for our listeners let us know what you think about the episode. And uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. I guess we'll be watching episode seven and then we'll be recording the day after before my man will goes on his vacation. Yeah. So. We'll,
0: we'll get that up quick. Um, we just, we just got to do the thumbnail now.
1: Yeah. I have a baby screaming outside my door. Okay, so well, we'll do it quick. what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do Maybe like computer, star right? stargazing or something. Okay. Like, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, huh? yeah. Like this.
0: Okay. I think
1: we got it. (laughs) All right. Cool. All right, man. All right. I'll
0: talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you later. Deuces.